We thank everybody who participates in the ministries of the church and just want to say a word of appreciation to the handbells. They practice often and uh, it's not easy. I, I, I could not, I, I shouldn't say I couldn't be able to do it, but I know I can't, I can't multitask and I don't know how in the world they count and do all of this, but we thank you ladies so very, very much. Thank y'all. Thank you, Judy, for leading them. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that once again, as we have entered into your house, Lord, we can open your word. And Heavenly Father, what a tragedy it would be to one day stand before you and hear you say, you know, all those times you went to church, I had a special blessing for you every time that the word of God was open, not because of whomever the preacher might have been, but because I've given my word to you to speak to your heart and to be a light into your path and give you wisdom and guidance for daily living and enjoy your relationship with me at its fullest. Oh God, help us that as we open again the sacred word of God, that we would hunger and thirst after the blessing of hearing you speak to us through your word. And just as you inspired the writers to record these scriptures that we're about to read today, Lord, help us, help us to hear the word from you. And most especially, Lord, help us to hear the word from you as you spoke to people of your day and to the disciples and even to the Pharisees and scribes about how you desire that we would not just honor you with our lips, but our hearts would be where we honor you and that our worship would not be in vain. And Lord, that we would not only hear the word of God, that we would begin to live it and we would share it with others. Father, please be in our midst in these moments. And Lord, please speak to all of our hearts this day. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. For the fourth time, let me read this passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 7. Jesus said, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And he called the people to him and said, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant which my father, which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are all blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and so passes on? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. You remember last Sunday, we got to the three questions that I feel we need to ask ourselves, not only as Christians, but also if you've not yet trusted Christ as your Savior. Number one, what's in my heart? You remember last week, we talked about taking an inventory of what is in our hearts. 
Is God pleased with that? Because whatever is in our heart is eventually going to come out. And it's either going to be expressing itself in an ungodly, unchristlike way, or whatever is in our hearts, if Jesus is the Lord of our hearts, will express itself in a way that gives honor and glory to God and unto his Son. <clears throat> the other two questions, number two, what controls my heart? And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. And next Sunday, we're going to look at what proceeds from the heart. What is coming out of my heart and out of your heart? <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's go to question number two this morning. What controls my heart? You remember as we began this study, we had three diagrams of hearts. Which one of these describes yours? And again, I want to quickly run over this, okay? If you and I are not a born-again believer... Who is reigning and ruling over our heart? You see, and that chair there represents the throne of our heart, the control center. If Jesus is outside of our heart, if he has not been invited into our heart to be our Lord and Savior, sin is reigning in our hearts. And you see the consequences of what is controlling us. And we've got a number of things listed there. Certainly more could be listed. But when you and I trust Christ as our Savior then Jesus is not outside, but he is at the very center of our heart. And again, we're not talking about this, this organ that pumps blood, but all that we are as a person, our inner being. Christ is on the throne, he is in control, and self is pushed outside. And that's when we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit that the Bible talks about. <clears throat> but folks, so often as Christians, as believers... Christ is placed at a secondary point in our hearts and in our lives. And self begins to reign again. And please notice, I've listed a number of things that, uh, <clears throat> that will begin to happen in our hearts. First of all, when Christ is not on the throne of our heart, we are out of fellowship with him. And probably if you are born again believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Folks, this opened the door. When Jesus is not controlling us, it opens the door for us to fall back into our old ways. Our sinful habits of the past begin to control us. And folks, I remind you again that all of us are sinners even after we're saved, correct? And 1 John talks about how if we say we do not sin, we make him a liar. We become a liar. Folks, until we become like the Son of God, we're not going to be perfect, and that's going to happen one day when we meet him, when he comes back for us. And so we're going to struggle. <clears throat> we resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're going to speak about this in just a few minutes, is going to try and guide you and I as Christians. We begin to lose the love that we once had for Christ. And pride begins to consume us, and everything about life is something that we want to do ourselves. Which one of these hearts describes you and me. But this morning, let's again ask the question, what controls my heart and your heart? Let me read, and this is just one example, one illustration in Scripture, okay? Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew six twenty one: For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the Living Bible translates that verse, if your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. Now think about this for just a second. 
Are we living for that moment when we'll see our Savior face to face and we'll enter into glory? And I'm not talking about simply pie in the sky, folks, but I'm talking about living eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't happen, he's a liar. I believe it's going to happen. God does not lie. And whatever Jesus promises, he's going to do. But folks, listen, what is controlling us right now? The moment, whatever we desire at this moment. And let me point something out. It is not wrong for anyone to be wealthy if we have gained the wealth through an honest and righteous way. And folks, that's a sure sign that God has blessed us. And there are examples in the Word of God that God blesses people and they became rich. Abraham is one of those people. But you know why he became rich? He obeyed and followed God. And God blessed him to become a blessing to the rest of the world. And folks, God wants to bless us, but in turn, he wants you and I to become a blessing to the rest of the world. But materialism, the pursuit of wealth and stuff, can enslave the heart and turn the heart away from God. And again, folks, this is just an example. This is not the only thing. And I'm not picking on you. If God has given you wealth and you've amassed things, make sure that those things do not keep you from serving God in all its fullness. And let me give you, a, let me give you a, an example, and don't have this on the screen, but listen to this. This is out of Luke chapter 12. As I begin to read this, you're going you're to remember this immediately. Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man brought forth plentiful. He thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, you remember again, thinking to himself, uh, it, that's all coming from within his heart. He said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns, I will build large ones there, I will store all my grain and my, my goods, I will say to my soul, so you're, uh, you have ample goods laid up for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, folks, think about that for just a moment. This man is already rich, but he is enslaved to materialism. His treasure, his heart, was here on this earth. And, folks, this, again, is just an example of how we can become enslaved and controlled by evil instead of righteousness or following Christ. You remember last week I read out of Romans, and I want to read these verses to you again. Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read a number of verses, and I'm going to be reading these out of the Living Bible. Listen to this. And he's speaking to Christians now. Do not let sin control your puny body anymore. And again, puny in the sense not sickly, but spiritually, you and I are not strong enough to combat Satan and sin. And that's why we've got to constantly lean upon the Lord. Paul says, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning. But give yourselves, how much? Completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. And listen, later in that passage... Don't you realize you can choose your own master? And folks, listen to this as as a Christian. And we make decisions every day, don't we? We either choose to follow Christ or we choose to go in a different direction. 
And folks, you might be thinking, well, I'm not hurting anybody. You know who you're hurting more than any other? You're hurting yourself. I'm hurting myself because the abundant life that Jesus Christ wants me to have and experience... Don't wait till we get to heaven to say, whoopee. I mean, listen, living on a day-to-day basis. And I'm going to tell you a story next week. And the punchline is this. Don't measure life by length, but by depth. And when Jesus Christ is the anchor of our soul, there is a depth in life and of life that nothing else can compare with. Paul says you can choose sin with death or else obedience with acquittal. The one to whom you offer yourself, he will take you and be your master and you will be his slave. Thank God that though you once chose to be slaves of sin, now you have obeyed with all your heart the teaching to which God has committed you and now you are free from your old master sin and you have become slaves to your new master righteousness. And folks, again, this is a news flash for all of us, not only non-believers, but also as Christians. We will struggle with who is in control of our lives and our hearts all of our lives. There's not going to be a day for us if we take living for Jesus Christ seriously that we will not struggle with who controls us. Can I have an amen on that? Have you been there? Folks, this is a very real thing. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't do what I want. But I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. Let me stop right there for just a second. Anybody who's ever tried to stay on a diet, that's a good comparison, isn't it? You wake up in the morning, every morning I get up, and I eat my 200 calories and my three cups of coffee to begin with, and I say, man, I got this day under control. But somehow, some way, ice cream gets put in our freezer at home. <laughs> and when I get home at night, I might have six or 800 calories left. How many scoops of ice cream equal 600 calories? It don't take much. My intentions were, but I failed. And folks, I want to tell you, I believe it's that way as a Christian. We're going to struggle every single day. Let me read the rest of these verses. Verse 16, I know perfectly well what I am doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Now, again, remember, we've been saved as Christians, but there's still that old nature that wants to take control of us. And listen to what Paul says. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am. Folks, you and I cannot defeat sin and Satan in our life. We're just not strong enough to do that. Verse 18, I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Have you been there and done that? Now, if I am doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. 
I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to that sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is. Now listen to this. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. Would you say amen to that? Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Let me stop there just for a second, okay? There's so many ungodly things that will seek to control my heart and your heart on a day-to-day basis. Let me just mention a couple, okay? If these don't hit you, you are a wonderful person, okay? And you need to preach next Sunday, all right? Pride, pleasure, sexual immorality and impurity, attitudes such as anger, jealousy, judgment, and condemning spirit, backbiting, gossiping, and yes, amen, gossiping is a sin, all right? Let's just clear the air, all right? We're just telling the truth. Well, let me get off of that. All right, line. Name your sin. What sin What sin troubles you the most? And folks, I've got in my notes, am I trying to be depressing and discouraging? Absolutely not. I am trying to get you and I to ask ourselves the question that Paul asked. Look back at this. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? And deadly here, he's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about losing the witness. And let's be honest. And I I really, folks, I'm not just trying to talk about myself, but I know as a minister I could make some bad decisions and could destroy what little ministry I've had in these years. And folks, so often our witness can be destroyed by something that we, we, we just yield to and we've got to constantly be on guard. Satan knows our weaknesses and he is going to continue to attack us at those weaknesses. And folks, my weakness and your weakness might be different, but they're equally as fatal to our witness as believers. But back to the question, who will free me from my slavery to this Deadly lower nature. Is there any help, help or hope for us? This is what Paul says. Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set us free. Amen. Folks, listen to this. For the non-believer, freedom from sin's control comes through the shed blood of Christ, being born into the kingdom of God. But freedom for the Christian and being delivered from the, the control of of sin in our hearts and our lives comes from depending upon our Lord. And folks, let me I want to give you I want to give you three things. And and I, I say this to myself, okay? First of all, I want to give you the testimony of King David. Okay? Listen to these verses. Psalms fifty one, beginning with verse one. Alright? And all of this happened after his sin with Bathsheba. We've talked about this before. Listen to what he says to God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love. Now, let me tell you something. Here's the good thing about God. He is going to treat us as his children, and he's going to treat us with love. He is going to hold us accountable to what we're allowing to control us, but he's going to love us through it, and he's going to give us strength to overcome it. Listen to this. 
According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Have you ever spilled ink or something and something got covered up? That's what the concept is. And this concept, blot out, is going to be used twice in these verses. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom where in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. And again, you've heard all this before. But one of the things as a Christian that sin does is take away our joy of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we're forgiven and restored, God fills us again with his joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, blot out all my iniquities, create in me a what? A clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. I love, I love that verse. You know, you know why I believe our salvation is eternally secure? Because once God does something, if he saves our heart, it's eternally, not temporarily. Because you know what? Would any of us get into heaven if he said, you sinned, your name's off the list? Let me get back on track. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the what? The joy of my, thy salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Folks, listen. David acknowledged his sin. He confessed that he could not take away sin. He asked God to cleanse, remove his sin, restore fellowship. And God did. God did. Let me tell you a second thing. As Christians, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to point out our sins and convict us of our sins and assure us after we have confessed our our sins, we are forgiven. Satan does not want you and I to know forgiveness. I can promise you that. When Satan gets us down, he keeps kicking. Does anybody deserve salvation? None of us. Let me get back on track, okay? Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit quickly. John 16, verses 7 through 14. These are the words of Jesus. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counsel of the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, after Jesus was taken, the Holy Spirit came. Here's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin and and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more, concerning judgment because the rule of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here's the whole point. As a born-again believer, God is not going to allow us to wander aimlessly through life. Because he wants us in close fellowship with him. He wants us to know his love in all his fullness. He wants us to be bright, shining witnesses for him. He wants the church to be an on-fire group that is turning the world upside down. And so he is going to send his Holy Spirit 
to convict us when we get out of his way and out of his will and we get the double dabbling in sin again. And there's a third thing I want to point out. You and I have heard and read this verse many times. I've never looked at it from this perspective. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God, the Bible, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I don't have a two-edged sword, and I ain't never fought anybody with a sword except with one of them old wild weeds that grows. We would, we'd fight. But folks, in this day, this two-edged sword was the best defense that anybody could have. But the Word of God is living and active, is sharper than any of the best swords that man could have ever manufactured. Listen to this. And he's speaking spiritually here, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. Listen to this. The Word of God will lay bare before us who is in control of our hearts. But then the Word of God will lead us to be freed from the control of sin and empower us to live in the power of Christ and have our hearts controlled by the Lord. Now let me read the last part of that, okay. Piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and listen to this last, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of what? The heart. And that's what we've been studying, isn't it? What's in our hearts. Folks, do you remember what Jeremiah said? This is not going to be on the screen. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? Folks, even you and I can't really grasp what's deep down within our heart. Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong and it surprised you that you did it? Guess what? That's the spiritual heart problem. But here, the writer of Hebrews is pointing out that God sees what's in our hearts, and then he does spiritual surgery. Isn't that something? He wants, through the power of his word, to cut out those parts that are not serving and praising him. So that our hearts can be pure and our hearts can be full of him. I'll read this and I'll close, okay? Warren Wiersbe writes this. God uses his word to enable us to see the sin and unbelief in our hearts. The word of God exposes our hearts. And then if we trust God, the word of God enables our hearts to obey God and claim his promises. In the word of God, we see God and we also see how God sees us. Folks, look. What's controlling our hearts? Jesus wants to be in full command and full control. There's so many benefits. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to me and speak to you about surrendering our hearts to Him. This morning, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is Jesus outside of your life? Would you allow Him to come in? Is He in full control? If not... We need to give Him the freedom to reign in our heart and to use us to serve Him and to serve others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You'll speak to our hearts right now. Surely, God, there's not a one of us that can say that sin doesn't control us. 
in many ways and on many days. And, Father, I'm thankful today that we have a Savior that, that understands, that lived as a man on this earth, that knows the, the variety and the constant pounding of temptations that all of us face, most especially that desire to be in control of ourselves. God, I pray that your word would speak. Lord, I I ask that even as we sing this hymn of invitation, that the Spirit of God would manifest itself in speaking to our hearts. And Lord, again, our prayer is always that if there's someone here that's never invited Jesus to come in, they do that. And I pray for us as Christians. God, help us to experience the fullness of joy of being a child of God. And Lord, help us full throttle to live for you and to be found faithful. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our invitation to him today is number 412, The Savior's Waiting. We're going to sing two stanzas, and we're going to stop, and we're going to do the Lord's Supper. I want you to know that if the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart, would you come? You don't have to speak to me if you want to just come and kneel at the altar. Yes, I know that you can make decisions sitting in the pew. Will you do that? Please do, if the Spirit of God is leading you. Let's stand. Number 412, The Savior's Waiting. <laughs>